Get ready for comedy. Elmo's horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius. More well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. Oh, and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Harmony rhyme. Words can bring me down. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> that was just bad. I'm sorry, everyone. we got to practice these musical openings. Listen. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to the Adam Sank Show. Today is Saturday, July 21st. If you are listening on that day, this is when the show is premiering at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, our brand new time. Yes. From now on, at least until Derek and Romaine move to a different studio again, uh, our show will be Saturdays at 11 a.m. I will try to upload them the following day so you can listen to them, all you time shifters, on your various streaming devices. Um, so don't call us. We are not live today. All episodes of The Ass are available on iTunes. Please leave me your ratings and reviews. I need them. I want them. I crave them. Um, like the Facebook page. The Facebook page is now up to 3,500 likes. I think it should be more like 10,000. You can help. Uh, email me at adam at adamsank.com. And, uh, yeah, but joining me again, if you couldn't tell already, is our fabulous co-host, Ryan Frostig. You know, I happen to like this microphone because it reminds me of a cock. Of the 10-inch penis that Freddie Alanis got stuck in his oh, uh, windpipe. Freddie. I miss him. Freddie was such a good guest last week, and the reaction has been overwhelming. Yes. So we hope to have him back on the show, and we hope that he's now a listener of, uh, yes. of the Adam Sank show. Um, Ryan, today's guest... Is also fabulous. Yes. She is someone I've wanted to get on the show for weeks, and she can never come because she's very involved with her family. Sure. But her name is Lady, Lady Synagogue. Synagogue. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love, I love a drag queen. Yes. And, and you and I are both Jews. Yes. So we can appreciate the fact that she is an openly Jewish drag queen. That is something. In case you don't get the pun, listeners, it's Lady Gaga, but she's Jewish, so it's Synagoga, as in a synagogue. She's a sinner. And uh, she's been taking New York by storm, and we will be talking to her live in the studio in just a few minutes. Um, we have a lot of other things to talk about today, and I'm going to start with a story that's kind of a major bummer. <laughs> that's the best way to start the show, right? But it caught, my, uh, it caught my attention this week, and we're both theater queens. We both follow Broadway theater closely. Yep. JB, if you could just turn up my earphones just a hair, that would be perfect. Thank you. So, oh, and JB's here, by the way, everyone. Say hello to him. Hi. 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 Hey, JB. Hi. How do you like the new studio, JB? I love it. Even I did help put this studio set together, and hopefully when we're done, I'll be helping put the other one together. So by next time we come back, we'll be in the, and the other studio. One. Yeah. Right. We're sort of in the guest studio right now. We're not in the main Derek and Romaine studio, which is still under construction. This is Studio B. This is the side studio that people will be using for when other stuff is happening. B as in bitch. Mm. <laughs> That's why they're having B as in bottom. Bottom. Oh, bottom. we're going to have a new opening soon, by the way. Yes. Just keep that in mind. Okay, Great let's get job. to the story. Okay. So as I said, this is a big bummer. Um, the Broadway revival of Chicago has been running since 1995. It's been running for uh, over 22 years. And for that entire run, there's been a cast member named Jeff Leffelholtz, I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, and he was cast in the original company of the revival as the standby for the character Mary Sunshine. If you've ever seen Chicago, there's a, a journalist character named Mary Sunshine who um, you think is a woman for most of the show. And then there's this big reveal when suddenly it, it, it uh, is revealed that the actor playing her is a man. And it's always a big shock because she sings in a woman's falsetto and she looks like a woman. And Jeff Leffelholtz was the standby, which means that if for any reason the actor playing Mary Sunshine can't go on, Jeff would go on in his place. And sometimes that character would go on vacation or they'd be in between actors 
or uh, the actor would be sick. And so he played the part many, many times over 22 years. It was his Broadway debut. He never did any other show but this one. And he had a run-of-the-show contract, uh, which meant that basically as long as the show was on Broadway, he had that role, unless um, he quit, they bought him out, or they could somehow show that he was no longer able to play the part. So what happened uh, back on uh, June 22nd was he was called into a rehearsal, and the director, Walter Bobby, and the musical director, whose name I will find in a moment, uh, basically asked him to sing his number. The musical director's name is Leslie Stiffelman or Stifelman. And so they said, okay, we want you to do the song. And they told him, because you always do it wrong. Wow. So he went through it. And they stopped him and they said, no, you're not singing it right. You're supposed to sound like a woman. You're not really sounding like a woman. Do it again. They had him do it five times. This is all what happened, allegedly, in front of the entire cast. And they basically, uh, according to his notes that he took at the time, treated him very, very poorly. He went home, and a week later, on June 29th, he took his own life. That is... It's so sad because it's like he spent a great deal of his life dedicated to this production, to this company. And, um, they were just like, fuck you. We don't, we want you out. Allegedly. Right. Now he was 57 years old and, uh, apparently the, the method of suicide was alcohol and painkillers overdose. I don't know how they determined that it was definitely a suicide and not accidental, but there seem there seems to be no question about that. Right. There's now a blog called Justice for Jeffrey um, based on the notes that he made after he himself made after the incident. And um, the producers of the show have hired an attorney to look into the incident. Uh, That attorney's name is Judd Burstein. And in a statement, he told the New York Post, the producers of Chicago are devastated by Jeff Leffelholtz's death. They're taking the matter very seriously and are fully committed to finding out exactly what happened. Um, the director added, I am saddened by Jeff's tragic passing for him and his family. Um, and then the musical director, Stifelman, did not get back to the paper. A Broadway insider tells the New York Post that this kind of behavior is very common on Broadway. Quote, no one can directly blame anyone for something like suicide, but this treatment is kind of like an old school Broadway scenario where there seems to be a disposable amount of talent that allows people to to treat people like this. When you're loyal to a show like that, it's not celebrated. It can actually make you unhirable. It's a strange thing. Ryan, you're more, you have more experience in the professional theater world than I do. Um, Can it sometimes be a mistake to stay in a show for 22 years? Absolutely. Um, I mean, those kind of contracts are not offered anymore. I mean, you're lucky if you have like a year in a show. Um, I think that from a, from a um, career point of view, it probably doesn't help to stay in a show for 22 years because you're limiting the opportunities that you could get elsewhere. But uh, f- I mean, it sounds like he had a pretty sweet deal. And you know, if you just like, if you're trying to make a living, especially in a city like New York, if something is working for you, why leave it? Um, I wonder how fulfilled he was all those years considering he was the swing but you know if the money is there then i mean i would do exactly what he did i have the easiest day job i could possibly find right because i don't want to work that hard i want health benefits i want security i want to be able to do this show and other things on the side um and i also want to just say though that this is a horrible, tragic situation. I feel terrible for his husband, mm-hmm. um, for his family, for anyone that knew him. But at the same time, I believe that you cannot make an adult kill himself. Correct. I, I think regardless of what went on and regardless of how horribly he may have been treated, there had to have been underlying issues there because a, um, you know, traumatic events happen right. to all of us. Right. And 
we don't all take our lives when they do. And I, I can see how the threat of losing one's job that they've had for 22 years, it's the only job they know, basically, right. can be devastating. But you would hope that someone has the resources internally and externally to cope, to and, cope and get through that yeah. um, without resorting to such a, a, a drastic and... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Irreversible yeah. act as that. So it, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. I I kept thinking about the cast. Right. The night that that they find out that this happens, they have to all go on stage and do the show. Oh yeah. It, it, I, I, how do you do that? No, especially when it, this is someone that has been there forever for, since the show opened I and mean, he had to be there every single night even if you're not going on stage you still as the standby you have to show up and stay until that sh- the curtain comes down just in case the the actor that you're standing by for suddenly gets sick and what's crazy is has that an emergency there are probably people in this in the company right now who are as old as the production as the well he's the he was the only original cast member right. left but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, I mean, this happens with Phantom of the Opera. Sure. This happens with any shows that run forever. You always have an actor or somebody in the pit orchestra who's just who's been just there been from there. day one, and they're not leaving. Yeah. So it's it's very sad. I'm very sorry um, for the loss of anyone who who knew Jeff. Um, but I just it I, it just kind of blew my mind. I don't remember yeah. this ever happening before. I don't remember anyone's suicide on Broadway ever being attributed to. Uh, the treatment that they got from a director or a musical director. Right. In much less <laughs> yes, let's dark up the mood a little and bit. gloomy news, um, I came across uh, one of my favorite things that we've done on the show before, which is 101 Amazing Facts That Everyone Should Know. Um, I think I found this on Mental Floss. I forgot to write it down. But I'm not going to do all 101 because we, <laughs> we only have an hour-long show and we do oh. have to talk to Lady Synagoga. But here are the ones that jumped out at me. Tell me if you knew any of these, Ryan. Okay. The actor who played R2-D2 hated the actor who played C-3PO, <gasps> calling him the rudest man I've ever met. The shade. Uh, the two of them were in, the, uh, were in all of the first seven Star Wars movies together. Um, Anthony Daniels played C-3PO and Kenny Baker played R2-D2. In a 2009 interview, Baker, who was only three foot ten, said that he originally thought it was just him that Anthony Daniels didn't like, but actually Daniels doesn't get along with anyone. Um, Baker said that he once approached Daniels about touring together as their characters to make extra money, which I think could have been quite lucrative if George Lucas allowed that. And he said, C-3PO looked down his nose at me like I was a piece of shit. He said, I don't do many of these conventions. Go away, little man. Wow. He degraded me and made me feel small. <laughs> well, did it? He was small. He was Baker. I'm sorry, was, I don't have that sound effect. That's okay. I got you. <laughs> Baker was. <laughs> that's okay, JB. Baker was actually the smallest adult actor that George Lucas saw for the role, and it had to be an adult inside that suit because um, child labor <laughs> laws. No, I mean there was that, but also there were controls inside. Oh yeah, yeah. It was difficult, and yeah. by the way, they hated putting on those suits it took hours it was oh i'm sure deadly hot they were filming in north africa so that was an interesting fact here's another one when three letter airport codes became standard airports that had only been using two letters simply added an x (laughs) and that's why los angeles airport is lax LAX. i always wondered why now i could only find two other major airports with an x which is portland pdx Mm -hmm. and phoenix phx but Phoenix may have been PHX to begin with. So it's not that interesting, in fact. Well, cool I just, story. I've always wondered about LAX. Have you? Meanwhile, Newark is EWR. Ooh. 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 Here's one that blew my mind. At some point in the 1990s, 50% of all CDs produced worldwide were for AOL. <laughs> you guys are too young to remember this, probably. But there was a time when AOL would send out compact discs in oh, the yes. mail to every human being. I remember. You, you remember yes. getting those? Yes, yes, yes. It, was the, it was the update. It was the, the, the tutorial disc. Right. That they to, from the new settings. To get yes, the I remember program. that. You'd get that, but you'd also get like, try AOL right. for free. Yeah, yes. Pop brothers. this in and you can you know, start for free. They, this was a massive campaign. Um, they had CDs not only in the mail, but in blockbuster video rental stores, which are now also gone. 
Um, so crazy. At the Super Bowl, at NASCAR races, these fucking CDs were everywhere, and it cost them huge amounts of money to produce all these, but it was also very, very rewarding until it wasn't. There is a generation that will never own a CD or a DVD. It's amazing to me. I mean, and I feel like our generation was the last to really experience. Like, I remember cassette tapes. I do, too. I remember VHS tapes. <laughs> I had to make my old mixtape. I remember <laughs> CDs, DVDs. I mean, like, honey, I, who I are you know you're I the remember, oldest one. I remember eight track tapes and vinyl records. You're a dinosaur. So I do remember when I gave away all my CDs because I was like, wait a second. Why do I need these big clunky things? I have all these songs on my iTunes. Right. But then I thought, what if I lose my iTunes? Like, you know, you just, it's such an old mentality that tells you, you, you must own this physical thing. Yeah. And it's also a hoarder, a slash of a hoarder, too, because a piece of me don't want to give up the CDs. You still have yours? I still have TLC, Red Sexy uh, Cool, um, the Red Sexy Cool album with Waterfalls. Oh, don't go chasing waterfalls. That's what we should have opened with. Yeah. Next week. <laughs> well, you know, some some things you want to hold on to just for sentimental But also, like, reasons. record players, I feel like, will always be kind of, like, cool and trendy. and sure. So, like, people will have those forever. Okay, here's one of my favorite 101 Strange Facts You Never Knew. Before settling on the seven dwarf names that we know today, Disney considered these names. Chesty, Tubby, Burpee, Deffy. Oh, no. As in deaf, D-E-A-F. Deffy, Hickey. Mm. Wheezy <laughs> and awful. <laughs> awful. That's my favorite. Awful's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Too. I like Chesty. Chesty like sounds like a gay man who's coming from the gym. Yeah, with giant pecs. Yeah. And Hick- <laughs> what was his uh, signifying trait? That he had a big chest? Well, Hickey is obviously the hoe. Yeah. Well, they left or out. Predator. They, they mm. never considered slutty, stanky, or cunty. <laughs> Which would have been my choice. We should recreate the. Uh, but Deffy. Hey, Deffy. And then his, he would have just been, like, be like, what? <laughs> What'd you say? Snow White and the Seven Special Men. <laughs> <laughs> well, they already were special, they were dwarves. Well, Which I don't yeah. think you can even say anymore. Now it would be Snow White and the Seven Little People, and people would probably take offense to that. Basically, nothing is possible. Nothing's going to work. Yep. Um, okay. This was crazy to me. In the mid-1980s, Fergie of the Black Eyed Peas was the voice of Charlie Brown's sister, Sally. Now what? I, yes. Now, I only found one clip of this online, and you, uh, you don't hear her uh, until... She's like the third person who speaks, so take a listen to this. Play it, JB. What's the matter, Charlie Brown? My dog is going to get married. Married? <laughs> Does he understand the responsibility of getting married? How can he support a wife? He sleeps all the time. That's Fergie. How can he support a wife? Great line reading. Yeah. She must have been really young. Yeah. I had no idea she did that. In the mid-1980s, she was the voice of, of Sally. But not in any of the classic Charlie Browns. Like yeah. For me, the, the classics are the ones from the 60s. Mm-hmm. It's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. and um, do, 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 It's a bareback do, do, do. orgy Charlie Brown. That was my that's favorite. My f- that's my favorite, too. Linus great gets, story. Linus gets gangbanged. Wait, these are children. That's not right. <laughs> what am I saying? Listen, we just had Freddie to the children. Freddie is, you know, a 19-year-old child. Yeah. Um, here's something that shocked me. The 50-star American flag as we know it, mm-hmm. was designed by an Ohio high school student for a class project. And his teacher gave him a B minus on it. Oh. <laughs> now, if you look at the 48 star flag, which was the flag before the 50 star flag, right. before we added Alaska and Hawaii, it's basically exactly the same. Sure. The only difference is that you have, um, I think it's six rows of, no, eight rows of six stars. Right? You mm-hmm. had 48 states. So, it was, so the stars were in a perfect square or a perfect rectangle. His design, as you all know it, is f- uh, there were five rows that had six stars and four rows that had five stars. So it, it's no longer, you know, it kind of the stars move in right. and out now. And it took him 12 and a half hours to sew the flag together. His teacher gave him a B minus because he said it just wasn't very original. And it wasn't. It looks no. exactly like the old fucking flag. Except for the, the 
the way the stars are laid out, which is really just kind of a mathematical thing. Um, but his design was adopted as the new United States flag on July 4th, 1960. It has flown over the White... The original flag that he sewed has flown over the White House and every state capitol building. Um, it remains in his possession, although numerous people and museums have offered to purchase it. Um, his design was the 27th official flag of the United States. I just can't believe the government couldn't come up with that themselves. Like, do they not have a graphic designer? Yeah, they had to go to Ohio and have a student contest. It's bizarre. Does he? He doesn't make any money off that. I don't think That's so. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like because a lot of, when, when I was homeless, a lot of people came to these homeless shelters and were like, "Hey, we'll give you fifty bucks to design whatever you want." But after you design this, you have no rights to it whatsoever. So that's how they will make money. Are no you gold. kidding me? No, I am so serious. And I was just like, I'm, "That's why I don't do all these free programs that they offer in the shelter because they're just rip off of these children <laughs> and their ideas." Why would they do that? You because can't the give homeless is people shiesty bastard. Jesus. Listen, if they're not going to give him any money, at least give him a B plus or an A minus. Well, the teacher eventually changed the grade. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that part of so it. So nice of her. Um, okay. If your dog's feet smell like corn chips, you're not alone. <laughs> the term Frito feet was coined to describe the scent. And we know this very well from sniffing ladies' paws. They yes. smell like pure Frito's corn chips. The reason for this is it is a byproduct of yeast... And bacteria. Yummy. Which is so gross. <laughs> um, the bacteria and the yeast come from uh, soil or water that get into the crevices of a dog's paw that gives your, gives your dog the snack food smell. It's completely normal. However, if you notice that it becomes excessive or if your dog is excessively licking his feet, they're greasy or inflamed, um, then it's time to take him to the vet. And finally, what's the last one that I'm going to do? So These many have been here. thrilling. They're fun, right? <laughs> I love it. Okay. In the mid-1960s, uh, Mattel came out with Slumber Party Barbie. Mm. And she came with a book called How to Lose Weight. <laughs> and one of the tips was don't eat. <laughs> Groundbreaking. What could be better for little girls Listen. than Barbie telling you don't eat. You're too fat. Ah, the 60s were a good time. Good times all around. Um, very quickly, before we welcome Lady Synagoga, uh, and this is a story that has Ryan uh, cheering, to, uh, raising the roof. What's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're, you're praising the heavens. You're praising. gagging. RuPaul's Drag Race has snagged 12 Emmy nominations. Yes, come through. She don't sound too excited. Oh, trust me. <laughs> He's excited. <laughs> yes! He's just tired. <laughs> Drag Race had already snatched four Emmy wins in the past, uh, including two consecutive trophies for Outstanding Host that RuPaul took home himself. But uh, this year they got fucking 12. This, the, uh, honestly... 12 this nominations. Sh the, this show, the people are always talking about like how many seasons and whatever. This show is not going anywhere. I mean, this is just the beginning. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is massive. I mean, this is like... The show has finally hit the mainstream, and it's getting the, the... The show has always been great, and some might argue that it, it's not as great as it used to be, but the fact that it's getting all of this, um, all this recognition is huge, and I think it's going to um, just give us you know, more seasons. Which well, that's why you didn't sound so excited, because it's not as great as it was. Well, was because it's attention. mainstream, it's, just, it's appealing to a different audience now. It's, it's, not, like, it's not for us. I mean, it will always be for us, but I think now you have like the 12, 13 year old girls who, you know, are obsessed with Trixie Mattel and that's all they know. That's their, that's their idea of drag. And right. that's, so the, the audience has widened. Yeah. In included in the 12 nominations were two nods for Untucked. Untucked actually got two Emmy nominations. Well, that's th this season of Untucked was definitely the best in a couple of years. Rama. We were living. So the 70th Primetime Emmy Awards will air on September 17th on NBC with hosts Michael Che and Colin Jost. We will be watching. Can I just say one thing, though? Please. RuPaul has said that uh, she will never appear in drag unless she's getting paid. But I would just love to see her walk down the red carpet in a fabulous Luke. I agree. I, I mean, the suits, the Klein and Epstein suits are great. But, like, give me a gown. Come Paul, on, if you're listening, Ryan Rue. wants to see you in a gown. <laughs> Come through. And that is a perfect segue to our guest today, who has taken New York's drag, st drag scene by storm. 
Since appearing on the scene in 2015, she was recently crowned Miss Hell's Kitchen, and I am quelling and plotting to have her on the show. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Lady Synagoga. Yes. Hey, Adam. Hey, Synagoga. How, How are, are you? you? Get your face right in that microphone. Am I, am I, am I there? Yes. There. Do I sound soft and feminine? Uh, um, no, you sound totes mask. Perfect. Totes mask, bro. I have never, um, I, we've never actually met in person, and I've never seen you uh, as a boy. As a boy? I'm a What's this boy you speak of? I'm a little taken. I'm like RuPaul. I only show up and drive <laughs> when I'm getting paid, exactly. right? Exactly. Nobody's yep. paying this bitch. Mm-mm. Synagoga, I, uh, why, why, is, why did the headphones suddenly get so much louder? Did you do something, JP? Okay, so when the green mic's on, it picks up everything because that's oh. what's more sensitive. Yeah, that's the hot mic. Yeah, I'm just very why. sensitive. In that case, just turn me down a little bit. I'm sure. sorry to be such a needy bitch no today, problem. but uh, today, thank you. Very <clears throat> so I first saw you, Synagoga, at Jubilee in 2016. Oh wow, way back when, Jason Littman, Hebrew. Yes, it was the Hebrew event, which they have on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. every year. All of New York's gay Jews gather. We all get together. Dance our faces off. And you were the entertainment for the evening. And, you, and not just that year, right? You've done that. I, I've done Hebrew a bunch of times. Jason actually like, provided me with like, some of the first paying gigs that I've, that I've ever had in drag. I'm really grateful to Jason Littman and to Hebrew for that. So I saw you that night and I thought, like, oh, that's funny. Like, he's obviously a Jewish guy uh, doing drag. So he's Lady Synagoga. I, would, I did not know at the time that you had been raised Orthodox. Full-blown. Full and that your real name is Moshiel. Moshiel, yeah. Moshiel. Yeah. So how does that person, how does Orthodox Moshiel become Lady Synagogue? Become take, Lady take Synagogue. Take us through that Ooh. process. Like physically or emotionally? Everything. Well, physically, it's just a shit ton of makeup and a lot of patience and some air conditioning, which this studio is like no, we are, severely we lacking. We are temporarily We're in lacking in this room. Aren't, aren't we all in transition? I, always. <laughs> um, From now on, we will have AC, but you unfortunately are here on the first day of the new studio. Oh, it's fine. I'm, I'm generally people's first. But um, if you need to take your shirt off, your eyes just encouraged. got so wide, Adam. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm, but I'm, I feel like there's something going on right something here. Something happening. I'm very uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> He's not. It's okay, I'm going to leave. You no, just no don't leave. leave. We'll just have our own moment. Yeah, well, we're fine. We're I fine see, with baby. groups here. Um, so how does Moshiel become Lady Synagoga? Well, how did, how did Moshiel become? Yeah. So I, so I, yeah, as you said, I grew up Orthodox. I went to theological seminary in Israel. I studied in Israel for like three years to become a rabbi. And I was like really struggling with, you know, being gay and closeted and trying to, you know, use my religion to cover all that up. Um, Growing up, I always, like, wanted to perform, but there aren't really avenues for, like, Orthodox Jewish boys to, like, perform. I know, it's shocking. Right. But, um... Except for that one dude. That one dude, right? Yeah. Nosferatu, what's his name? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, the rapper? Yanis Mahu? uh, Oh, Matis Yahoo. Matis Yahoo. Yeah. He's, like, the one famous He's an enigma. Yeah. An enigma wrapped in decent lyrics. Um, Decent. But so so when I came out, I, I you know, I went to a, uh, I went to a gay bar and I saw like drag queens performing. And I was and like, what year? Was, oh, how old were you? I was 21. I had like just come out, um, moved to the city. I went to the School of Visual Arts to study photography. I got my BFA from SVA. Buffa. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's the bell? We approve. OK, cool. Um. <laughs> Sometimes it's a shade bell. Sometimes it's okay. a, an approval bell. That's an approval Depends bell. Nice. Um, and I went to a gay bar, and I remember I was, like, looking at these, at these drag queens, and at first I was, like, a little scared, and then I was, like, something clicked in me, and I'm like, oh, my God, you don't really have to have any discernible, God-given talent to be a drag queen. Like, oh. I didn't need to Whoa. be... That was the shade bell. <laughs> like, I didn't need to be the trained singer, trained actor, trained dancer that I wasn't able to get growing up. Um, I just needed to be, like, funny, charismatic, and build a persona and a character and an aesthetic. And I was like, that's something I can do. Um, so I started, like, curating stuff. I was like, I'm going to be amazing the first time I go out. And I, wa- I mean, no one ever really is. But I was as amazing as I thought I could be. Um, and Halloween, my very first uh, year out, I was uh, Miley Cyrus. 
uh, and that was the f very first time I, uh, I, I did drag. And from there, it just, it just spiraled out of control. That first time when you were dressed as Miley, did you feel empowered? Did you, what was it like to, be, to see yourself as a woman? Okay, so, so, I mean, Miley kind of looked like a little boy, so it was kind of like a, a transition step. You know, I wasn't right. full-blown woman. But um, I remember the first time I did drag, I wore these, like, eight-inch pleaser stilettos because I don't do anything like half-assed. And I was like, I'm going to walk the entire parade in these eight-inch heels. <laughs> um, and I did it, and I was just like, I was like a tiny little twink then, and I was just like a stick going all the way to the sky. And I remember there was one moment where I was like crossing, um, what street to the, it's 7th Avenue, 8th Avenue, um, at one of, the, one of the places that you can cross. And an entire corner, like the, the northwest corner was just like chanting like Miley, Miley, Miley. And there were like pictures flashing. And I was like, holy shit, I'm a celebrity. You were hooked. Like I was hooked. And I rem like I so clearly remember like that moment. And uh, yeah, that was the moment of uh, external validation that hooked me for forever. Filling that deep, deep that, hole inside well, you. Well, Adam, let's not talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. How old were you when you... Well, let me ask you this. How old were you when you first had like any kind of gay sexual experience uh 14 oh wow yeah so you knew from an early age what yeah was up. no i did um i did the uh the closeted uh men in my uh, synagogue had a uh, had a nice little uh hot yeah it was o pretty older men oh yeah oh dear yeah well that's not that's not okay <laughs> well no it's not okay i mean it's hot now but it's no it, it wasn't okay. i mean it started in like summer camp and then transition to that but yeah no I knew I knew pretty early on I was um I mean it's funny I I I didn't know early on but the other kids in school definitely knew early on right um I love when people are like oh well how do you know how do you know like I didn't know but clearly everyone else knew um I remember my mom at a very young age asked me once um by like the recommendation of a therapist. I think the therapist like thought I was going to be trans or something. And wow. my mom asked me. It wasn't that far off. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my mom asked me, um, when you get married, you see yourself like wearing a wedding dress or a tux. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be wearing custom Tom Ford. I don't know what you're talking about, right, mom. Queen. Um, That's not a question every Orthodox mother asks. No, yourself. no. She's actually, um, I mean, the journey with my parents has been pretty, pretty incredible. They, uh, they started off like pretty unaccepting about the entire thing. Um, it was really hard. I lost them for a bit, but Miss House Kitchen was actually the first time they saw me perform in drag. Yes, and it, I have to say it was so amazing for me. I was there. I was like in the second row for Miss House Kitchen, which is a, a, a really prestigious pageant uh, that they have every year. It's a fundraiser for the AIDS ride. Well, cycle for a cause. Yeah, cycle for for a cause, and and so there's Lady Synagoga on stage, and and you won. Uh, you won the title, but literally next to me is this Orthodox Jewish couple who were clearly your parents, and it was like amazing to see them there, and then to find out after the fact that that was their first time ever seeing you in drag. Yeah, tell me about that night. Um, it still kind of gets me a little emotional to think about. I mean, I there's a picture someone in the audience took. I forgot who it was sent to me after, um, right after I got crowned, where my mother and father like kind of ran up to me and I ran up to them and my mom's like crying on my shoulder and my dad's just like beaming at me. Um, and it's like the background to my phone. It's like the most favorite picture I ever have. Um, because it's, I mean, it's a moment that I like never thought I'd ever see. Um, and it kind of sounds like a little insignificant, like, Oh, like my parents coming to see me in drag, but it was just for coming from where I came from and like, Going through that day, they, like, drove me to the pageant. I, like, warmed them up to it. Like, at first, they just saw me, like, in full face with, like, still, like, jeans and a T-shirt. And then they saw me in the whole entire thing. And then they saw me in a crown. It was actually, it was really funny. My, they didn't know how pageants work. So, um, so first you get, uh, they did the talent and evening gown, first runner-up, second runner-up, first runner-up, winner. Um, and I won evening gown, and I'm there with, with like a bouquet of roses. And my mom was like, we were so devastated. We thought like you had flowers and you couldn't win. Um, and then you won. And I was like, yeah. So um, no, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, I'm actually, I'm doing another pageant soon, hopefully. And uh, I think they're gonna, they're gonna make an appearance Which again. pageant? Uh, Miss Cherry's out in Fire Island. Oh, oh I yeah, love that. So yeah. just there. Good luck. 
I don't know if, if, for listeners who aren't Jewish, I don't know if they can understand and appreciate um, how radical it is for Orthodox Jewish parents to embrace not only a, a, a gay son or a gay daughter, but someone who's dressing in drag. And also, you're clearly not Orthodox anymore, right? You're not, yeah. you're not wearing the yarmulke. Good Shabbos, by the way. Good Shabbos to you, exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't be here today. Um, that alone in some Orthodox families would mean that they never speak to you again. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Um, I always say, and I guess this is a little bit of self-promotion, but um, if you meet somebody from a strictly Orthodox background in whatever, like, dogmatic system, whether that's, like, Christianity, Muslim, Judaism, whatever, um, and they've come out, they're, like, one of the strongest people you'll know. Because, um, yeah, it... uh, I guess in in many ways, like growing up Orthodox, you have I mean, it, like in growing up in society in general, there are like norms and cultures that we ascribe to, and and you know try and fit in as best we can. And Orthodoxy has or Orthodox Judaism has very specific set like gender codes and uh, expectations, and um, you kind of have your life trajectory set from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for them to to fully accept me. I, I, I mean, I say like, you know, I had to come out twice. A lot of, a lot of drag queens have to come out twice. Sure. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unreal. It's amazing. I'm, I'm blown away. Like every, I mean, I moved back home recently and my mom was like, what are we going to do about all? No, my dad was like to my mom, what are we going to do about all his drag? <laughs> and my dad was like, we'll just build him a closet. Oh, um, God, I love them yeah. so, so much. Sweet. It's amazing. Real, and when I saw them, they just seemed like the, the sweetest people, and they clearly were so proud of you. Another fascinating thing about you that I read online is that you're one of triplets. Yeah. Oh, my God. Where did you read that? In some article. I do my oh research. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. I you better watch you. what you read because some of it's not all true. Oh, well, I, uh, but this is true. Yes. No, yeah, it is true. I've never, I've never met a triplet. Oh, well, nice to meet you. Brothers, sisters. <laughs> why didn't uh, you bring them? Yeah, where are they? Come on. Well, one's in L.A. and one's in Queens. Um, but yeah, older sister, younger brother. Um, yeah, it's, it's so funny because people always ask me, like, what's it like to be a triplet? And I'm always like, what's it like to be a single? Because it's all you know. It's all I know. Um, yeah, no, it's it's I, it's a cool little yeah. Whenever I'm like at a at an icebreaker and they're always like, "Tell us one interesting fact about yourself." I'm always that's like, your go-to. That's my go-to. Yeah. I'm a triplet, and they're yeah. like, "Cool." Have and you ever met a triplet, Ryan? No. I mean, I've seen seen I've them seen. on TV and stuff, but it really is kind and of. And I've like, seen them elsewhere. Where, where have you seen them? Oh, oh, oh! I I got you. Oh, in porn. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. We're gonna assume that uh, Cinderella no, no, does no, not no, make no. porn with yeah. her triplets. Um, were you? I I've imagine. Seen them, though, yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. Just so we're exactly clear, those three yes. brothers. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I, thank you. You're I welcome. imagine you're very close with them. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny because we, you know, there is this like weird internal, like we call it like triplet telepathy, um, that like we kind of can feel each other in a weird way. I've spoken to like twins about it, and they kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but it, in many ways, they're just like siblings you know i'm you're closer with certain siblings than other siblings um and you know relationships with either of them have been you know ebbing and flowing and growing and changing and uh yeah did you come out to them early were they the first people who knew um i actually came out to all i when i was uh right after i i came out in rehab i'm i'm five and a half years sober oh good for Uh, you thank you so um i came out to my parents in rehab um, and then to my whole like extended like my brothers and sisters like in a kind of family whole little session after that. Um, I mean, my sister I think always knew. Um, I think they all always knew. Um, growing up Orthodox though, you don't really have that. Like for me, it wasn't ever like a choice that one could make. Like I couldn't be gay. I could like be attracted to guys maybe and fool around with guys on the side. Or like maybe I, I don't know. Growing up, you always I don't know, you like pray about it and and figure like it's gonna go away when you get married or something right. like that. I mean that's what I thought at least. But um, like I never knew that I could like live a happy life outside of Orthodoxy, like in a gay lifestyle. Like that wasn't something I knew about because like we didn't watch TV, we didn't really you know have all of that pop culture 
Um, I remember when I was like first coming out, I watched like all the previous seasons of like RuPaul's Drag Race, like under my yes. covers. Was your mind blown? My, I was like scared. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw a drag queen, I was petrified. Yeah, can you imagine growing up with no television and, and then, then all of a sudden you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it, and it was like speed. season one. It wasn't like it was season Oof. nine. Right. Um, <laughs> that rough filter. Yeah. Later. I was like, your Jewish identity clearly informs your drag. I mean, your name is Lady Synagoga, and you, uh, a lot of your costumes involve menorahs and stars of David and so forth. Um, what has been the reaction of the Jewish community and particularly the Orthodox Jewish community? I imagine there's some controversy around this. So um, it's funny. Some people, like, don't get my name. Like, you, I, there are either people that are like, oh, my God, your name is hilarious, or some people that just don't get it. I remember, like, my ex was... Um, a uh, former Orthodox Jew also. And the first time I told him the name, he was like, Lady Gaga was so five years ago. What are you talking about? I'm like, Sina Gaga. Yeah. And he was like, oh, like it just completely flew over his head. Is and he a slow adult? No, <laughs> <laughs> no but <laughs> so it, it flies over. I've literally had people who know me like for months and like come up to me and are like, oh my God, I just got your name. And I'm like, oh my God, that's why we're not friends outside of drag. Well, it's so brilliant because it has so many different, I mean, like, Gaga, Sin, Synagogue. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's got many layers to brilliant. it. But I got it the first moment. I mean, maybe because we were at a Jewish event when yeah. I first saw you, Jubilee. Right. Which, by the way, is J-E-W-B-I-L-E. So I got it immediately. Yeah. But, like, I feel like it's obvious. But so what has been the reaction? H have you heard from the community? Has anyone sort of... So, I mean, I haven't heard from, like, the community at large. I guess I've heard from, like, my mother. <laughs> You'll always be hearing always from her. hear from my mother. Yes. Um, it's mother. funny because there was an article written about me um, before I I was like really on great terms with my parents, and it came out. And my, I remember it it got picked up by this kind of like Jewish like National Enquirer type blog, um, like blasphemy Orthodox Jew, and there was this really bad picture of me. Um, and my mom, I remember, like she told me she was like looking at it. And she was like, oh, my God, I saw me 20 years ago, and I knew it was you. Um, wow. And, you know, I, I think there's a part of it that's a little, I think she thinks it's, like, a little, uh, bordering on, a little on offensive, the whole, like, Jewish-American princess type of thing. Right. Um, I did, I got flown to England, actually, to speak at a uh, this Jewish conference. Um, it's called the Limud Conference. That's what I read about. That was the oh, article. Oh, yeah. That, so yeah. that's actually a good article. Yeah. Read that one. Um, but it, uh, and I did get a bunch of, cause it was, it was really cool to be in, uh, this space where I was being like able to be like fully intersectional. I was like a hundred percent Jewish, a hundred percent queer, a hundred percent a performer, like all at once. Right. Um, and I spoke to, um, I mean, I gave lectures to like over 150, 200 people that ranged in age from like 18 to 90. Um, and there was like a bunch of Jewish grandmothers in the front row. It was kind of bananas. But uh, there were people that came up to me after the show and, and you know, it kind of challenged me on this whole, like, how can you say you're a Jewish American princess? That's like a stereotype that like we're trying to not live up to. And I'm like, no, it's, it's you know, it's not necessarily like, it's not a negative thing. It's like, I, I wish I could be like a Jewish American princess that like wears Ugg boots 24 seven and, you know, drinks Starbucks and doesn't have to work. But well, it's sort of like we were talking about uh, last week about Trixie Mattel mm -hmm. and the racist joke. It's like when a black person tells a racist joke, it's not the same. It's like they're allowed to. I feel like Jews are allowed it's their to, tell joke to tell. Yeah. Like Trixie and a racist joke. I haven't. You, hadn't you don't know about this? this? No. Girl. She, uh, they, she was doing a roast. Okay. With a bunch of other queens from the show, including Latrice. And she said, do you like my outfit? It's just cotton. Latrice picked it. Oh, my God. And there was like a, a lot, lot of, of backlash. backlash against that. You could actually hear there was an audible like, ooh. Right. It was like half the audience was laughing and the yeah. other half were like, ooh. So, but it's like, I feel like we're allowed to. Yeah. We've, su we've suffered. We've been. Exactly. People it, it's suffered. so funny. This, uh, um, I, was at, uh, I was at Rise Bar hosting a... Um, hosting with Brenda Darling and Bootsy LaFerris. They have a, a show every uh, Wednesday with Marty Gold Cummings. Mm. And, Love um, all three of those people. Marty was out, so I was hosting, and it was actually the, the Pose Ball. Um, it was the, the week before Pose, the show on FX, mm -hmm. um, premiered. So we had like this kind of premiere party, and I was hosting this ball, uh, and they were like, pick three people. So I picked one, and then I picked another, and this kid was like, the first person I picked was like, oh, you're only picking people of color, blah, blah, blah. He was like going off at me for... I was like, first of all, 
the, I'm picking the people that are raising their hands. Right. Second of all, my people were slaves long before your people were. So, shh. Woo. Is that is that the shade yes. or the approval bell? Either one. It's so, just, at this point. so I was like, it's punctuation. No, so I is. agree. I mean, I think there there are jokes that that you can make um, because they're they're part of your shared history. I mean, I I'm, I don't go around making like Holocaust jokes because you know there's a line drawn somewhere. You know what? I've heard some really funny Holocaust jokes. Joan Rivers had great Holocaust jokes. I mean, Judy yeah. Goldhead. And I, for me, comedy is about turning something that's horrible and something that we can't even deal with and making it bearable by, by seeing some kind of light. Oh, absolutely. By, you know, by making it funny. It just has to be done by someone who's really smart enough. I mean, I think Joan's taken all the good material out of the Holocaust. I don't know if there's anything <laughs> left. died with her. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's anything left to take from Well, from like there. Judy, Judy Gold has this joke about um, when she looks at the pictures of the people standing online and they're, you know, they're naked and waiting to go into the, to the gas chambers. And she wonders, if I were on that line and I knew I was having my picture taken, would I suck in my stomach? <laughs> it's yeah. like, that, that's not really a joke about the Holocaust. That's a joke about, like, her. how self-conscious can you be even in the most dire of situations? See, I just, I, I just hear that and think, like, oh, my God, I wouldn't have the 20 pounds extra that I have on right now. Right. Like, I'd be gone. Exactly. And that's kind of And you fear. don't have 20 extra pounds on you, by the way. Speaking of which, who makes your fabulous gowns? Where does your wardrobe come from? So yes. I, make, I make most of my costumes. I make most of my hair. I do all my own makeup myself. Wow. Um, I do have, uh, there are certain people that I've, you know, bought stuff off of. Or, you know, Tina Burner actually was the, um, taught me how to sew. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I like, last year, um, maybe, a, a, yeah, I think like last year I was like, at her place a bunch and um, she taught me to sew by like making her sew some of her stuff and <laughs> slapping my hand when I did it wrong. She used you as, um, as an apprentice. Yeah, but basically. no, I, I, I apprenticed for her and then there's this uh, designer, Anthony Manfredonia, who I, who kind of helped Tina learn to sew in the mm -hmm. beginning and, and the two of them kind of taught me um, a lot about sewing and I think, um, I think with drag, especially like for me, like there's certain things that I know I want that I won't find anywhere else. So I know that if I make them, I'll make them the way I want them. And then if I don't like something about it, it's my fault. This is one of many reasons why I could never be a drag queen. I literally can't sew a button on. Oh, well, yeah. can't do it. Just be a, a drag race girl. You'll have everything done for you. It's fine. <laughs> Some of those That's girls sew. Yeah. Bianca not, not after does. the show. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, well, if you don't Well, Bianca's to. brilliant. I mean, Bianca literally... I mean... I mean we can all agree Bianca Del Rio is brilliant. Yes, we But, like, she goes on tour, makes one amazing costume, and wears it, like, 48 times. Right, it's not about the look for I her. Mean, I, I mean, that's, that's the dream, to do the Bianca Del Rio. I, I, I accept I would do, like, the JCC tour, where I just, like, make <laughs> one amazing costume and go to every single JCC and uh, wear that costume. And, again, I just wonder, like, have you played JCCs? Like I have, actually. Yeah, I, um, it's funny. The last two uh, over Pride month I did um, I performed at the UJA's headquarters uh, the United Jewish Association Federation on like 59th and Lex and it was like me carpet overhead lighting and like a bunch of straight white women um, and it was amazing I lived they, they lived they got it they got it they got it and is that are you mostly performing for conservative or reform crowds when you go to GCC? Well, well they were like actually well, they were like a bunch, they were like a mix. I, I, I didn't really, I mean, they were just the audience. I didn't kind of like interview them in terms of their background. But the UJA is like a, like a well-known Jewish organization that right. deals with um, like a lot of, you know, a broad spectrum of observance. Uh, the JCC that I performed at actually was in like Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. And it was this like primarily Russian Jewish uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was... It's just so funny thinking of you there. No, it was, you know, it was kind of amazing. I, like, walked in full drag, like, 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon uh, in, like, a blue and silver sequin caftan, and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, yes. I love it. And also, when you go to those, those spaces, you, you never know who's going to see you and who might be inspired in some way. And, and, you know, you are, like, the face and the voice of... Um, a group of people that don't haven't had a face or a voice to yeah. sort of like look to. No, a hundred percent. It was actually pretty amazing. After I performed, 
I did a talk back and they're all like waiting in this room in a circle. And I quickly like went downstairs, completely de-dragged in like five minutes, wiped it all off. That's like the horrible thing. It takes like two hours to put on and like four <laughs> seconds to come off. Um, and I sit down in the seat that I was supposed to sit in and they all looked so confused. And then I said hi and they all just like it hit them and they were like kind of, oh my God, right. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, no, but I've had... I've had like young um, Jewish LGBT kids reach out to me on Instagram and that's like the sweetest thing. I mean, I've like, like just reading how like I don't really have someone to look up to um, and knowing that there's like a queer Jewish person who is like living their life and like calling attention to something that like a lot of people aren't necessarily calling attention to. Right. Um, I'm proud of that is really cool. And like you are that person. Like when you were a kid, you know, you, you were looking for that person deep down somewhere. You, you wanted to find that person and now you are that person. Like that's so amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, I would always, I mean, thank you. But yeah, no, I would love, I mean, I think it's funny. And um, at the end of the Drag Race audition tape, they say like, why, why do you want to be America's next drag superstar? Um, and I think like I'd, I just want to take that platform in as large a place as it can go. I mean, knowing if I knew when I was 11 or 12 that where I'd be now or that like I could be like a drag queen living in New York, like out and proud and gay and happy. Right. Like I would I would have my teens would have been very different. You know, of course, maybe you wouldn't have wound up in rehab. Maybe I wouldn't have, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have become a drag queen. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah, no, I don't regret any form of my life, but to save kids a a ton of heartache would be, would be a dream. Have you then auditioned for RuPaul's Drag Race? Um, I have auditioned. Yeah, I have. Season 11, come well, on. Season 11 wrapped it's, already. Yeah, they've oh, already did? filmed. Yeah. Yeah. I told you that. She's back. She's and there's, behind. I can't keep up. Adam doesn't like when I give and spoilers. They're filming Don't give me spoilers. But, but what I will say is that it's pretty amazing that year after year, season after season, New York has the most representation out of any city. It should be no surprise. Uh, but it's like, but it's consistently like, not just like two queens. Like that would be crazy if there were two queens from Chicago because it's never that's never the case. It's always like, four or five like the numbers are just you know your chances yeah. are pretty good on I well mean, there, there's a lot of drag queens here in new york that's true true and more than ever before yeah I, th- yeah I think you're well on your way oh, thank um, you synagogue in the time remaining it is time to play everyone's favorite game ask me no questions ask me no i love it <laughs> ask, ask me no questions. questions ask me no questions yeah okay Number one, how meaty is your tongue? Wait, ho- hold on one second, one <laughs> second. Is this like rapid fire? Yes. Yeah. So like I can't stop after you any can stop. Qu- uh, like how rapid are we talking? It, you set the pace. Oh, okay. You I love the setting the pace. I, that's generally where I stand. Thank you. How meaty is your tuck? Not meaty at all. That's a lie. Number two. Okay. <laughs> how he is has seen how, the pictures. How is t- I have. How is tucking for you? How is tucking for me? Pleasant. Really? Yeah. I mean, Pleasant. my... Um, my genitals are comfortable inside of a hole, so there you just go. pull it all the way back. Oh, good answer. You, right. you want to ring that bell, don't I you? Do. Go for it. Okay. Mom, I really hope you stopped listening like 40 I minutes ago. I hope she's still listening. My future mother-in-law. Synagogue, what is your, uh, what was the worst wardrobe malfunction you've ever had on stage? The worst wardrobe malfunction? Um, I'm a professional, so none. Well, what was a wardrobe malfunction? I, I don't know. If no, I, it's I never happened. No, I mean like an earring fell off, or titty pops out, or this is gonna post, and I bet you like all these rips. shady New yeah. York queens are gonna be like, remember that time, <laughs> that remember time. that time, remember that time. I'm gonna be like, I, I, don't at me. I try to listen, like remember only the best moments. So I don't know. All right, uh, number three, can you handle an uncircumcised penis? Handle and like what regard? Like, do you like it? Is it okay? Will you accept it? Will I accept it? I accept anything. All right. Listen, I'm single Amen, in New York. Sister. Equal opportunity. I'm more. single in New York, and if it doesn't ghost after a week, I'm I'm grateful. Well, as well you should be. I I myself have, a, have an irrational fear of foreskin. I really don't like. Really? Yeah, I don't like uncut dick. It, it is probably the reason I'm single, because a lot of Latin guys are interested in me, and uh, I'm interested in them too if they are cut, but they usually are not. What about you? Are you into? Um, I'm He's a little of, more flexible. Yeah, I'm a little flexible. I think I prefer. I've heard that. Did you hear that about me? Yeah, I have. Yeah. 
What you read was true. Okay, good. <laughs> More like what I saw was true. But oh. Okay. Hey. Right. Yeah. Onlyfans.com. <laughs> Ryan doesn't have one of those yet. 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 But he will. Yeah. I'm on my way. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I like a cut dick. Who is the meanest drag queen you've ever encountered? Meanest. Mm. Um, hmm. Tina Burner. <laughs> but you also were her apprentice. No, I love Tina Burner. I think she's amazing, but she's, she's mean. She's a cunt. She's mean. But she, like, means well, and it's, like, 100%. I think Bianca, like, is mean, but, like, in this, like, really, like, rehearsed, like, kind of Rolodex of hate kind of way. Like, she's, she's crass, but... Right. Bianca's mean, but Roy's the nicest person yeah. in the right. world. Tina's, like, just mean. But, like, I love her. I love you, Tina Burner, but you're mean. You know it. Who is your favorite uh, Jewish celebrity? Um, ooh, that's... Hmm. I'm guessing it's not Woody Allen. No. Um, <laughs> I love Sarah Silverman. Oh, I mean, she's oh, she's a celebrity. That's a great answer. Yeah, no, I love her. It's funny. I was actually, um, I bumped into her um, the night before she won her Emmy, like two years ago. Wow. Um, right outside of Patricia Fields um, and like a Think Coffee. And she was like, oh, what do you get at Patricia Fields? And I was like, oh, a bunch of stuff like, like drag stuff. And she's like, oh, what's your drag? And I told her Lady Synagoga. And she literally spit out her coffee. She was like, that's hilarious. She's going to have you on, the, on her show. Sarah Silverman, if you're yes. listening, I, love I would love her. to. I don't think she listens. You don't have to pay me at all. You don't have to pay me anything. She's one of my favorite celebrities, yeah. period. I also want to know who your favorite Rue girl is. Oh, yeah. Who my favorite Rue girl is. Um, there, there's so many nowadays. I it's know. so hard. A, um, a thousand. I have to give you like a handful. Like Top three. Bob. Yes. Um, An amazing winner from a terrible season. I, I think like Bob, Bianca, and Sasha Velour. Like not to pick all winners, but yeah. Or New Yorkers. I agree. I would also add Jinx Monsoon. I really and Sharon Needles. Jinx. No? no? I'm not really a Jinx fan uh, either. Uh, but I would say um, sh- like those and then I mean, Sharon Needles. Yeah, Ms. Cracker, Monet are amazing. I love them. Aquarius, a sweetheart, and I love her also. It's not. It's amazing that New York has had so many winners so in many the past. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. the past three have been from New York. Yeah, the past five out of six have been New York. Synagoga, what is your favorite part of the Passover Seder? Favorite, <laughs> when you find anyone who actually does a Passover Seder the way I did, when you finally get to eat. Right, because yours is like five hours long, right? It it is a long day's journey into the night. You you have Um, to come to my family's. It's it's thirty minutes tops. I would I would love to. And then we eat our faces off. Speaking of which, what's in your noodle kugel? In my noodle on a lot of eggs. Oh really? A lot of eggs. Couldn't eat enough. A little bit of sugar. Oh, you're vegan? Yeah. Are you vegan? Hell I guess no. This one's my husband now. Oh. Sorry about you. So sad. We'll go eat lots of meat. Yeah. There you go. Well, you're not so vegan, Adam, if you think about it. I'm pretty vegan. Well, I do eat meat if it's attached. If it's, if, I, I heard if it's unattached, but okay. Unattached to, you that mean was, if just like a dildo? A circumcision joke. Oh, it's uh, obscure. Uh, uh, Sinagaga, speak Yiddish for us. Oi. Come on. <laughs> you grew up speaking it, No, yes? no, no. I, I speak Hebrew. Okay, speak Hebrew for us. Ma, ugh, no, my accent sounds Come horrible. On. My dad's Israeli. And Just sing a I little have, song. What do you, no. Mm. Give us a little hatikva, something. No, I, I'm not a singer. Wow. That's Ryan, everyone. Not that's, that's, yeah. I just, thought this would be the same question. I'm sitting here lip syncing to him, though. <laughs> lip sync for your life. <laughs> Last question. Would your parents be okay if you brought home a 47-year-old reformed Jewish boyfriend? Um, yeah. Yay! All right, there's a chance Absolutely. for me. Absolutely. Mazel. Synagoga, how can we follow you on social media? You can follow me at Lady Synagoga. That's L-A-D-Y-S-I-N-A-G-A-G-A um, on Instagram uh, and on Facebook. What about Twitter? Who checks Twitter You're nowadays? too young for Twitter. All I mean, you millennials. You I'm on Twitter, but like... Turn your noses up. By the way, you have a great nose. Oh, thank you. Was, was that original or did you have a little more? No, that's it. I did not have a sweet 16 <laughs> present. That's like a my <laughs> actual nose. Lady Sinigaga, it is a joy to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. I hope you'll come back. Of I want to thank JB and Ryan Frostig for co-hosting these past two weeks. Yes. Once again, you can follow Ryan at Ryan Frosting. Yes. Even though his name is Ryan Frostig. People love it. They eat it up. 
next eat week, eggs. eat it up. Next Literally. week, tune in at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. I don't know who our guests are going to be because I haven't booked them yet. <laughs> don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Email me your dick pics at Adam at AdamSank.com and download my comedy album, Adam Sank Live from the Stonewall Inn. Have a great week, bitches. Shalom. 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 Shalom.